Okay, welcome back, 24 Faithful, to the 24 Podcast. This is Mark here, and I am actually going to be doing this solo this week. We've had a, a heck of a time trying to catch up, Josh and I. Uh, we've had some um, time out of town. We've had some sickness. We've had uh, various things. And so to begin with, we want to just want to thank you, the 24 Faithful, for sticking with us. We apologize for uh, missing a week. We apologize for um, those of you who have been waiting with bated breath to hear more about 24 and our review of it. So, without further ado, let's uh, get started. We're going to, you and I, we are going to finish up Season 7, and then hopefully Josh and Jack possibly will be starting up Season 8 for us. We're getting close, very, very, very close to the new season of 24, 24 Live Another Day coming out. And just before we jump into Season 7 a little bit more, if you have not seen the new trailers for season nine of twenty four of twenty four live another day, check them out. Go on YouTube, check them out. We'll try to hook them up in the show notes if we can. But there is some excitement going on there. It looks like uh, we have Chloe, who is um, certainly on the opposite side of the law, and um, it looks like her and Jack have a few run-ins, and Jack is trying to convince her that um, that it's not right that the president um, be a target. And so it looks like it's it's really heating up. It's exciting to see some more clips. I know, uh, you know, we've talked in previous episodes about that and how I personally was a little bit disappointed in the the teasers we got during the Super Bowl back in January. And it seems like uh, seems like they've heard my complaints. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. They they certainly haven't heard my complaints. I'm sure, but um, they're they're putting out the type of trailers now that that I was looking for. Um, to see in during the Super Bowl. So looking forward to that. We're getting super close. We only have one more season to review, and then we will be reviewing week by week the new episodes of 24 Live Another Day as they come out. So make sure that you are checking us, checking out the Facebook page, liking that. It's just uh, facebook.com backslash the 24 podcast, or following us on Twitter at the 24 podcast is the show's Twitter account, and then my personal is at scrop2, S-K-R-O-P-P-2, and then we've got some of our other co-hosts. We have uh, Jack Zola, who is at Zola, and that's Z-Zero-L-L-A, and we also have Joel, who's been a, a perennial guest host, and he is at Gifted Money, just like it sounds, one word, Gifted Money. So hook up, hook up with us there. Join in the uh, debate of 24. Join in the discussion of 24, the uh, trivia, and all those other things that we're talking about. So with that, let's hop right in and let's talk about Season 7. If I remember right, and I might be wrong, so we might be skipping a little bit and we might be, uh, we might be jumping back a little bit. I'm not sure exactly, but I'm going to start right about Episode 12. And I don't want to just go play-by-play here, but I want to touch on some of the major things that happen. So as we get into season 12, um, we have, or season 12, excuse me, I hope we get to season 12, friends. I really do. Um, But as we get into episode 12, this is right after, and maybe we didn't even get the, I don't even think we got this far. But anyways, we've got to the point where we find out that the White House is going to be attacked. And we find out that uh, um, General Juma is in the United States and he is attacking the White House. And so we have Juma that, that attacks the White House. We have um, the White House who is warned literally moments before this happens that um, it's going to happen. We have uh, Burnett 
who is um, Senator Mayer's chief of staff, who is the mole. He's the one that has been giving the information, we believe, or we know, actually. We don't believe, but we know that um, he has been giving the information to uh, Juma to stage this attack. And so as they are warned and and, uh, we find out that the, the White House is about to be under attack or is under attack, uh, we have Bill Buchanan in the White House. We have Jack Bauer in the White House. Jack is actually arrested. And Bill uncuffs Jack, and Bill and Jack work to get the president to the safe room. They're trying to get her to the bunker underneath. They don't make it, um, but there's a tracker on the president, and Bill is uh, being heroic, and he takes the tracker and takes off the other way. He is caught by Juma's men, but... In the process of doing so, he is able to allow Jack to get the president to the safe room. So Juma's outside the safe room, and we have, of course, we find that um, you know they catch they catch uh, Bill, they catch some uh, catch or not catch, but they have some hostages, and they find out. Well, they they're they're getting ready to unlock the room, and we find out again that Mister Hodges, Jonas Hodges. Um, John Voigt is his real name and, and does a fantastic job throughout this entire season, I must say. John Voigt uh, gives them the codes to get into that room. And they're about to get in room, get in there before Jack disables the electronic lock. And then Juma calls uh, Hodges, tells him this isn't going to work, you know, we need something else. And we find out at this point that the negotiation is that Juma is getting some weapons of some sort into the country for Hodges, and that's the agreement. This was the trade-off, that they would get the White House. Um, they would get you know access to the White House through Hodges' information in return for these weapons that are coming in. So Hodges is pushed by Juma into um, finding a way into that room, and that way is Olivia Taylor, the president's daughter. So they bring her in and basically threaten to kill her. If the room is not opened and we have President Taylor who cannot stand um, to see her daughter be killed and forces Jack, you know, orders Jack to open the door and they do. So they get him out and they're forcing Taylor to make a statement as they often do in 24. People are forced to make statements that they don't want to say under duress. And uh, Juma forces the the Secret Service to move back to get out Um threatening to kill the president and um so taylor is making this making this statement and jack and tony or jack and tony excuse me jack and bill are sitting there and and we 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 realize that there's a plan that has been set in motion and it's supposed to be jack we find out later but bill jumps up attacks one of the guards fires off a round which sets off an explosion and in that explosion jack and Aaron Pierce are able to um, save the president. And uh, they kill all of Juma's men. Uh, and then Jack comes in and Juma is about to, um, is trying to shoot. And Jack kills Juma and puts several bullets into him. So that was interesting. Um, so anyways, we have the president safe. We have, after this, we have over and over again, they're trying, they realize that Burnett's a loose end, and they, they know, and they being the people behind what's going on, as far as we know at this point, it's Hodges, and they send, um, you know, Jack's getting ready to interrogate Burnett, and he's just going to scare him, because he just about killed Burnett when they were interrogating him before, and so they're going to scare him. Anyways, before he can, John Quinn, um, who's been sent by 
Hodges um, cut, sneaks in um, some sort of gas. He, he's he able is able to, um, I guess, neutralize not kill but neutralize Jack and then kills uh, Burnett and then frames Jack for it basically. And so we have Larry Moss who thinks that Jack did it. Jack calls Larry and says, "Hey, I didn't do it." Um, talks to Michelle or Renee. Michelle, excuse me. That was several several seasons back. Um, talks to Renee and gets some information about where this guy gets a picture of this guy, this John Quinn. Finds out that he works for Starkwood, so he goes to Senator Mayer's house. Mayer just got home, and basically tells Mayer, "Hey, Starkwood's in into this somehow, and I don't know how." And so he and Mayer are talking about. It. Mayer convinces Jack, "Hey, you know, let me help. Let me, you know." And and at this time, they hear that the police are outside, and so Mayer's like, "Let me talk to him. I'll make him stand down, and we'll get to the bottom of this. I'll help you. You know, I'll take down Starkwood. I don't like Starkwood, so if there is a connection, we will find it." So in the process of doing so, um, you know, Mayor and, and Jack are talking. Mayor goes to open the door, and it's Quinn. <laughs> and, uh, of course, Mayor is killed, and then uh, Quinn takes off after Jack. And um, anyways, and then, you know, of course, Larry Moss shows up right after this, and they're convinced that Jack has completely lost his mind, and he's out to get everybody that's hurt him, and, and Mayor was one of these, and... But very quickly, Moss, interestingly enough, realizes that things aren't adding up and talks to Renee and and, uh, he has, you know, basically told Renee that she's lost her job at this point because she's helped Jack and went behind his back. But anyways, they talk about it and they find out that that things aren't adding up. So as this is happening, um, we have um, Jack and Tony that go to the shipyard they are able to commandeer the weapon that has brought and been brought in. Jack um, takes over the the uh, the truck that's hauling this weapon in a firefight. Um, as Tony helps him escape, Tony's taken captive, and Jack is away with the weapon. But we find out that it's leaking, and uh, at this point, then Starkwood shows up and takes it back from Jack. So, anyways, now we have Starkwood, who's openly openly attacking um, federal agents. Um, and, and they really want this weapon. It's very obvious. So they, anyways, they take it back to their compound and, uh, let's see what's happening, man. There's so much that goes on in it. And like I said, I can't go line by line, but anyways, they get president Taylor to approve, um, entering the compound to get these, uh, weapons. We have Burnett again, who basically, you know, kills a guy Let's Tony loose and tells Tony, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I just, I don't know what's going on. I can't believe this is happening. I'll help you get the weapon. Anyways, he lies to him. And uh, there's a standoff between Starkwood men um, and uh, Larry Moss and his men. And basically, you know, they basically say, look, you were supposed to, you know, you could look at this this building. And if you don't get out of here now, we're going to be forced to defend ourselves and basically threaten to kill all these FBI agents. And Moss is ticked. And by this time, it's interesting, you know, because at the beginning, you don't really like Moss. He's he's kind of a hard nose. He he's by the book, which you know, if you're a fan of Jack Bauer, kind of annoys the heck out of you sometimes. But you start to like Larry, and you realize that he's a good guy, and he's he's really really trying. So, anyways, they're forced to to move out. They get Tony to stay behind. They sneak him in, so he stays behind, and everybody else leaves. Tony hooks up with the. Uh, Chairman of the board, Doug Knowles, and is Knowles 
is able to help him because he is not a fan of what's going on and he's afraid of what uh, Hodges has done. So he helps Tony. And uh, Tony is able to get eyes on the target, eyes on the weapons, and they get ready to send in an airstrike. But as they're doing this, Hodges calls the president and basically says, look, you know, if you... uh, you do this, we're going to launch these some of these missiles at American cities. So the president is forced to back down, um, and then Tony finds a way that he can blow blow up where these missiles are. And um, Jack basically tells him, go ahead and do it. By this time, um, an important aspect of this season, and I think one of the most interesting things that they do, you know, Jack's been close to death several times, um, but it seems like every single time there's some sort of, uh, biological or chemical or nuclear, um, nuclear, uh, attacks or threat of him being exposed, he comes back negative and it finds out that he is not exposed. This time, however, the weapon was leaking when he took it away and he was exposed. So you have the rest of the season, you have Jack getting sicker and sicker. He's, he's having seizures, he's, you know, and... And it's interesting to see Jack like this. This is a different Jack than we've seen in any of the other episodes or seasons or episodes. Um, is this Jack that's getting weaker and weaker physically and is not able to carry out the duties that he is supposed to carry out. So anyways, as he's running this operation from back at FBI, um, Tony is able to blow these missiles. And this is while Taylor is meeting with Hodges. And... Um, Hodges and Seton, and Seton's the guy that that um, lied to Tony and, and uh, manipulated him. It wasn't Burton. My apologies. I just realized that I'd screwed those up. So, as Taylor is meeting with them, this is when it explodes. And basically, at this time, Hodges is trying to say, "Oh, I want you know more access to all this information. I want a seat at the table. I want you know." And he's basically blackmailing the president to become a major part of you know, military operations and military planning, strategic planning. So this is when Tony blows up the weapons and Hodges is arrested and basically she says, look, you're you're done. You know, we're going to arrest you um, for threatening us and, and whatnot. And during this time, this is when we realize another fan, another fan favorite of 24 comes back into the picture and that's Kim. Kim comes, she was at... We find out that she was at the hearing that morning. We find out, that, and, and that would be interesting. I want to, maybe if any of you have the time to go back and do this, go back and look at the footage of the hearing in in the beginning of season seven and see if you can see Kim. Because what, what Renee tells Jack is that Kim was at the hearing that morning and before she could talk to him, you know, they came and the FBI took him away. So I'm curious if we could see Kim, and I might have to go back and do that too, but if, if you have a chance to go back and look at season seven, go back and look at those first that first episode when Jack is in the hearing and see if Kim is in the audience somewhere and see if we can see her because we find out that she was there and that she's been trying to get a hold of Jack all day and hasn't been able to. And so she finally, Renee basically says, look, and, and there's a stem cell research or something that it's, it's risky, but it's an on, the only option that Jack has of possibly being saved. And he basically tells Kim, well, after being mad at Renee for inviting Kim there, but then Renee says, I didn't invite him. Uh, I invite her. She's been trying to get a hold of you all day. 
Kim basically says, look, you know, if there's a chance, I want to help you. And Jack says, no, I don't want you to watch me die. It's it's experimental, and I just don't want to do that anymore. And, and of course, Jack's thinking back to all the things that he's put Kim through and realizes that, you know, he really thinks, and I really think he believes that Kim's life is better off if he's not in it. And so that's why he pushes her away, and he pushes her away again. Um, anyways... During this time, we find out there's another weapon. You know, there was one that was snuck out, and uh, this guy has got out of the perimeter, and he's getting away, and so Larry has picked up Tony by this point, and they're going after him. And this, friends, oh my goodness, this is one of the absolute worst moments in all of 24, in my opinion, because we have Galvez, this guy that had snuck away with this canister, being chased, pursued by Larry Moss, Tony Almeida, and in this helicopter. Well, they land, they're following Galvez, they land, and they get in a firefight with him. Galvez kills the helicopter pilot and shoots Tony, or not shoots Tony, shoots Larry. And we're like, oh no, this is terrible and everything. And then Larry's laying there dying and Galvez is walking up with a shotgun aiming the shotgun as Tony's like over Larry supposedly helping him and Larry's like Tony watch out Tony watch out Tony watch out and Tony puts his hand and friends this is one of the absolute most frustrating heart dropping heartbreaking moments of 24 Tony puts his hand up and stops Galvez and you say what the heck is going on and you realize that Tony is playing both sides Tony has betrayed everybody and I don't know, and, and I watched it a couple times because I could not figure it out, and I still to this day don't, and I don't think he liked doing it, but he smothers Moss and kills him. And at that point, I believe that if I had been part of this, if I had been there somehow, I probably would have shot Tony because I could not believe it. You know, all the things that Tony had done that day, all the things that Jack did to convince everybody that Tony was good and Tony wasn't was on their side, and then he kills Larry Moss, and you realize that he is helping with this canister. And watching it, the look on Tony's face, and maybe some of you can weigh in. You know, tweet me, let me know what you think as well, what you thought of this. But as I'm watching this, I don't see. It seems like it's hurting Tony to do it. It seems like it's not something he wants to do. And and I think that plays into what happens at the end of the season. And we'll get to that very quickly here. But it seems like it's not something he wants to do. However, he still did it. And you just wonder what's going on. So anyways, before anybody can show up, Tony shoots himself to show that it was a firefight. And Galvez got away. And they were ambushed. And blah, 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 blah. They cordon off everything. And uh, Renee's just about killed because... Tony helps Galvez figure out where they're searching and how they're searching, what their patterns are, and he sets up C4, blows this building, and Tony helps Galvez escape. And during this time, a guy that was interviewing and and debriefing Jack, because Jack shows up to help, because Jack basically says, look, I can't, you know, I can't sit by, I have to help however I can, I'm just observing, but I gotta be there. And the guy that was in not interrogating, but debriefing Jack, calls him and says, hey, you know, you said that Tony got the information from this guy, but he died before he could get the rest of the information. And Jack's like, yeah, that's what I said. That's what Tony told me. And he says, well, that guy just got caught at the border. He's alive and well. He's doing very well. 
except for the fact that he's caught at the border. They didn't say that part, but I'm pretty sure that's what they were hinting at. He wasn't real well because he had been caught. But anyways, Jack realizes, holy crap, things aren't adding up. And he'd asked questions about how Larry died and whatnot, and things weren't adding up completely there either. And Jack said, there's somebody else that's helping him. There, there's got to be somebody else that's helping him, but he didn't know who. Anyways, at this point, it clicks in Jack's mind, and he's like, you son of a... Anyways, he chases Tony out. Tony has just got this guy, Galvez, into an ambulance, and they're gone. Jack pulls a gun on Tony and basically says, how long have you been playing me? Why would you do this? And he, I think, it's one of the most poignant lines because you're like, is he really going to do it? Because he tells Tony, he goes, he said, if I told you, if I found out that you were playing me, I would shoot you. But before he can do anything... He starts having a seizure again. He starts having these seizures that he's having because of his exposure to this biological weapon. And Tony basically just leaves him there to die. I mean, he just watches him, and then people walk around the corner. He's like, oh, we need some help. He's having a seizure. And then Tony walks away. And Tony gets away before, by the time Jack can, by the time Jack can uh, say anything, they've got the seizures to stop. Tony's gone. So anyways, Jack tells Michelle what's, or, gosh darn it, I keep doing it. Man, I'm calling seasons, episodes, episodes, seasons. I'm calling Renee, Michelle, and Michelle Renee. It's driving me nuts here. Anyways, so they uh, are trying to find Tony. And we got to stop here. We got to talk a little bit about this because, and I'm going to jump to the end. We're going to get right to the end here because I want to talk about Tony. And Joel, you will love this. You will appreciate that I'm talking about Tony. But it's a roller coaster, man. I mean, I remember when you first see Tony, he's a bad guy in season seven, as far as you know. And it kills you that he's a bad guy, but you're glad he's there. And then all of a sudden you find out he's working with Chloe and he's working with Bill. And you're like, oh, he's a good guy. Good, good, good. And then all of a sudden here we are in to- in season uh, or episode, what, 18, and he's a bad guy again. And you wonder what you can believe. And and as I'm watching this, and this is this is where it comes in, because we've had a lot of debates on this podcast, we've had a lot of debates on Twitter. We've had a lot of debates everywhere. Emails, you know, personal emails we've had with Jack and Joel and, and Josh, the, the four of us have talked about bring back Tony. And we've talked about this. And we, to, Joel is a big time proponent of bring back Tony. He is the president of the bring back Tony Re- revolution. And we've debated how he would come back if he came back. If they would make up, you know, if, if Jack and Tony would would be able to work together again. What would happen? Would they be on the same team? Would they be on different teams? And as I'm watching this, and as I get to the end of season seven, which I just finished up watching right before I started recording this, as I get to the end and you see Jack, and Jack has been caught by Tony, and Tony puts a explosive vest on him, and he's using him to kill Alan Wilson. Now, we talked about Alan Wilson when we talked about the Syntox nerve gas. And Alan Wilson is the guy that was behind everything. He was the guy behind Palmer's assassination. He was the guy behind Renee being, or see, there I did it again. The guy behind Michelle being killed. He was the guy behind Tony almost being killed. He was the guy behind trying to kill Chloe, trying to kill Jack, framing Jack for everything, and and the guy behind Logan. And, you know, we all thought that Logan was the guy, and, well, not even behind Logan. He was the guy behind Graham who was the guy behind Logan. So Alan Wilson is a bad dude, and we find out that all of this is to, because Tony wants revenge for Michelle being killed. And we find out at the end, at the very end, right before Tony kills Wilson, we find out that, you know, not only 
did he kill Michelle, but Michelle was pregnant with Tony's son. And so all of this is to right, right those wrongs. Tony has spent years and years of his life trying to figure out who this man was that was behind everything, and he obviously did a lot of research. So you have Tony who ends up not being this bad guy that's you know angry at the government necessarily, but he is this guy that you know ends justify the means, and he's willing to do whatever it takes to find the guy that killed his wife and his unborn son. If that means a few people die, that's okay. And Jack is just dumbfounded that he's willing, to, and he's willing to sacrifice Jack's life to do this. Now, to his credit, Jack only has a couple hours to live, so he feels like, well, you know, Jack's dying anyways. It's not like he's gonna live if I don't do this. He's dying anyways, but that's beside the point. So, anyways, all of that to say, and I'm sure we'll have some different differing opinions here, but if by some random way Tony ends up in 24 live another day and I am more and more believing that he will not be but if he is I don't see any way in heck that he and Jack are on the same side I think Tony has completely burned that bridge now granted Jack still could not shoot Tony Tony was going for a gun he was trying to kill Wilson after they'd already shot him to stop him he was going for his gun. Jack could still not kill Tony. He could not shoot him. He told him, I will kill you if you are lying to me. He could not do it. But I think Tony has burned that bridge. And I don't think there's any way that that bridge is built back again. I don't think there's any way in heck that Tony and Jack are on the same side of things ever again. If we ever see Tony again. And I don't even think we're going to. And and I'm sure I'm going to get some arguments here. I'm sure I'm going to get some uh, disagreements. And I know I know Joel wants to have him back. I know he does. And I know we've had some other people that say it's just too far of a stretch to bring him back. I think Cody, I think Cody is his name on Twitter. You know, you've said that, Cody. And, you know, Jack, you and Joel have gone back and forth about this. But I, I just don't, I don't think we're going to see them on the same side. And the only reason to bring back Tony would be for them to be on the same side. That is the only that is the only reason that that, that dynamic has worked so many times in in 24 throughout all the episodes is because Jack and Tony are on the same side. They're brothers. They're they need each other. They're like co-stars basically and they feed off of each other. Not necessarily not not feed off each other like in a, you know, high school boys kind of way or middle school boys kind of way, but they I don't know, they complete each other somehow. And even in season 7 here when they are on opposite sides you can tell that they they don't need each other, but they understand each other. And I just don't, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think Tony can come back from that. I don't think Tony can come back from betraying Jack, uh, intending on using Jack to kill Alan Wilson, uh, lying to Jack. And, you know, we've talked about this several, several times throughout this entire podcast. We've talked about the fact that Jack is a very by-the-book person, and that sounds really weird to anybody that hasn't actually watched all the way through 24. But like we've talked about, Jack has reasons that he is okay with going around the law. And after Alan Wilson is caught, and he's talking to Michelle, and Michelle, gosh darn it, I keep doing it. That's going to be the joke in this episode. And he's talking to Renee, 
And Renee's basically saying, I don't know how to get Alan Wilson to talk. And she's basically trying to say, what do I do? You know, do I torture him? What do I do? And, and Jack basically says, look, you know, to me, when I see a bus of 15 people, there's nothing I would do to not stop or to stop that, to not be able or there's nothing I would do. I wouldn't do to stop that from happening. Sorry. But he basically says, you need to do what you're okay with doing and I can't tell you what to do. You know, and Jack basically says there's laws and I know there has to be laws and I, and I love this and, and hopefully, and I don't know if jo- Josh can, but hopefully we can get that clip right here uh, to put in here to hear that, that discussion that he and Michelle have. But he basically says, I know there has to be laws and I know those laws have to supersede the lives of those people on that bus or whatever the situation is. I know it has to happen, but I couldn't stand that it did. And I could not let my, my heart couldn't, accept that my head could I intellectually understood it but my head could not believe it and that's where Jack is when he's in the moment he will do anything to save innocent lives especially if it means that a scumbag needs to be tortured a little bit but intellectually he understands he needs to pay for it and that's why he came back and that's why he was willing to stand in front of that hearing that committee because he understood he needed to pay for what he did that we were a nation of laws and he was okay with that and that's where the dilemma with Tony comes in, I think, because Tony was doing it for personal reasons. Tony was doing it to get even. He was doing it for revenge, and that's where Jack could not approve of it. And that is just, I don't see it. I don't see Tony coming back from that. So all of that's a side note. Anyways, during this whole time, we find out Hodges is being um, given immunity, basically. He's going to witness protection to be to give up the names of the people that he's working with. Now, Olivia Taylor, who is now... Um, Ethan Keenan has resigned because of Olivia Taylor. It's her fault. But Ethan has resigned. Taylor is the acting chief of staff for her mother, and we find out that the reason that Noah Daniels lost was because Olivia Taylor had dug up a bunch of dirt on Noah Daniels and had published it during the election. So Olivia Taylor, and you can tell by the way Keenan deals with her that she is just kind of a slimy person. She's willing to do anything to win, and pushes Kanan out, and anyways, when she finds out that Hodges is being given immunity, basically, and put in the witness protection, in order to talk, she cannot stand it. She cannot believe that her mother would do this, because Hodges is the man responsible for her brother's death, and President Taylor's son's death, same person, and she cannot believe it. So she calls a friend of hers who helped dig up the dirt, and basically says, I want Hodges dead. I'll give you the itinerary. I want him dead. And he basically says, okay, but there's no going back. You know, this, if I can recommend, don't do this. You have to live with this for the rest of your life. She says, I've decided I want him dead. Anyway, so the guy calls. He says, as soon as the money transfer or the money is wired, it will be done. She says, okay, hangs up. And then she realizes she can't do it. She has a twinge of conscience. Doesn't transfer the money. Hodges gets killed anyways. Her friend basically says, look, I knew you would get cold feet. And so I told him to go through with it anyways. You you were good for the money. And so Hodges is murdered and it's on her and she realizes this. And this is one of the other poignant moments of this season. Because all through this season, early on, you have, you know, President Taylor's husband, Henry, trying to find out what happened to their son. He was obviously killed. 
they thought it was a suicide. Henry was not convinced. We find out that it wasn't a suicide, that he was killed, um, and that's obviously evidenced by the fact that uh, Henry was almost killed by um, Agent Gedge, the Secret Service agent, um, as he was getting too close. Anyways, Henry not never, ever got over this, um, the killing of his son or the murder of his son. Olivia Taylor obviously hasn't. You have the the tension between President Taylor and uh, the first gentleman, I guess they call him, in that Henry won't give it up. And President Taylor basically says, look, it's just as hard for me, but I have a job to do. And so she basically has put her feelings on the back burner to be the president. So long story short, um, with Ethan Keenan's help, and well, I guess Ethan Keenan with Aaron Pierce's help, find out, find evidence, a recording that Olivia Taylor did in fact, was in fact responsible for Hodges' death. Kanan is pretty classy. He's a pretty classy guy and I, I really ended up liking Ethan Kanan because he basically plays this recording for Olivia and then he tells Olivia and she basically says, okay, what's next? What are we going to do? You know, what, what do you want? Do you want your old job back? You can have it. He's like, it's not about my job, it's about the truth. And he basically says, I want the president to make the decision. And I was impressed by this. He basically told Olivia, you got to tell your mom, and I'll let you do that. I'll let you tell the president what happened and who is responsible for Hodges dying. Then it's up to her. He said, if she wants to bury it, fine. If she wants to prosecute it, fine. But she is making that decision. I will not make it. And so, I mean, that's a classy thing. And I think it's because of the respect that Ethan had for President Taylor. He was not going to do that to her family. It was going to be her decision. So at the very end of the season, near the end, you have, um, you know, Alice and Taylor, President Taylor being forced, you know, Olivia admits this and... President Taylor basically says, look, you, you've got me caught between, you know, doing what's right and doing what's best for my family and, and basically is given the ultimatum by her husband. Do not do this. Basically, basically all but tells her, you will lose your entire family if you prosecute our daughter. Bury it. Don't say a word. You know, we've already lost our son, you know, and, and he basically says, you know, your job has cost us this, this, and this. Your job has ruined our family. So President Taylor has to make this tough decision, and and I don't know what I would do in that situation. And and I guess I would ask you, the audience, what would what would you do in that situation? You're forced to choose between what is right on a philosophical level and keeping your family, and keeping a family that's already been through a ton in the very short time that you've been president. You know. Um, you have a son that was murdered. You have a husband that's been practically almost killed, you know, shot and, and, you know, very, you know, in very serious condition for a while. And now your daughter, I mean, is going to be put on trial for conspiracy to, or, you know, it's, I guess, um, I don't know what it would be. You know, it'd be like, um, accessory to murder, basically, or accessory to first degree murder. And I don't know what you choose. Because I'm a person that I believe that your family is the most important thing. I, I, in my personal life, I believe my family is the most important thing. 
And I don't know what I would do if I was put in a position where I had the ability, I had the power to hide and cover up something that would cause my daughter to basically go to prison for the rest of her life. And then have to make the decision whether to do it or not. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable the position that she's put in. Now that being said, I look at it and I believe that um, I would probably do exactly what President Taylor did. And it kills me to think of, think of, you know, putting that above my family. However, when I look at that situation, I think that as a leader, you need to make the decision as if you were not connected to that person. You know, she needed to make that decision as the president. She needed to make that decision as if it was anybody else that had made that decision, not her daughter, and then make that decision. And that's where it's hard because it is her daughter, but she has to decide as if it wasn't her daughter. What would she do if anyone else in that entire White House had done that? What her, would her response have been? And I think that's what she did. And she lost her family for it. And we find that out as we get into season eight that it destroyed her family. And that is just, it's an unbelievable experience that she had to go through. And I cannot imagine, and I'm so impressed with how unwavering she was in her principles. And, and why I'm so impressed is that, and that be, is, by that is because of how quickly she is willing to give up her principles in season eight. And how unbelievable it is that she flip-flops and she deals with Charles Logan and she does all these things after standing with her principles for so long. Anyways, we have uh, we have that going on. We have, um, you know, Alan Wilson is caught. We have Jack who's near death and he visits with a gentleman who is the head of a mosque. And I don't know what they, what they call him. I don't know what you call somebody that's the head of a mosque. I'm not... Up on my um, my uh, Muslim culture, and so I, I apologize for that. But uh, anyways, this gentleman that, that he had met because of them uh, thwarting an attack earlier. Um, let's see, what was his name? Uh, Gobar, I think. Let me see if I can find it here. <laughs> Seriously, oh yeah, Gohar, and. Uh, Oh, he's an imam. Mah- Matadi Gohar. Anyways, he'd became friends with him earlier, and he called Jack called him and invited him to the hospital as he's basically on his deathbed. Um, this experimental stem cell treatment, um, you know, he doesn't want to do. And Gohar shows up and visits with him and basically tells Jack, look, you're just a man. You know, you're, you're imperfect, you have flaws, but you're a good man. And he prays with him, basically says, you know, God, you know, forgive us, help us forgive ourselves for all that we've done wrong. And Jack really finds peace. And it's really kind of neat to see um, see that aspect of Jack's life and, and see, um, literally, you can see the weight that's lifted off of him as he is able to come to terms and have somebody that he respects from a religious standpoint um, basically tell him, look, you, you can't keep blaming yourself for all this. And, and so it's it's really impressive um, that he does that and uh, basically accepts his fate 
Um, and then he's put into a coma, a morphine-induced coma to make him comfortable. And it's at that point that Kim arrives at the hospital and basically tells the doctor, he may be okay with this, I'm not okay with it. And I am not ready to give to allow him to pass away. So she volunteers to undergo this stem cell procedure, um, risking your own life to um, save her father's. And we we learn by the fact that there's a season eight that she does indeed save her father's life by doing this. And I got to tell you, we you know when we started this this journey of of this podcast, we started off by talking about our favorite seasons, and it seems like it seems like we all pick season seven. It seems like everybody's favorite episode or season, was season seven. And I think it's because there's so much that goes on, but you get a deeper glimpse into who Jack Bauer is. And you have, you know, you have him, you know, standing before the Senate subcommittee. You have him facing death. You have him facing the betrayal of one of his good friends, one of the, the one of the few people he thought that he could trust in his life. Um, all of these things are situations that Jack's put in, and he is put in impossible situations, and you really see the humanity of Jack Bauer come out. So I think that's why it's everybody's favorite season because it's real and it's raw. It's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of twists and turns, but it's not just action. It really is an emotional roller coaster for Jack Bauer, but also for us, the fans, as we watch it because it forces us to ask those questions that we've talked about in, in this episode, as you and I have talked right now, that what would we do in those situations? What would we do in the situation of a, a Jack who's betrayed by what he believed was his best friend? Um, what would we do in the situation of, you know, the, the man that's walking, er, the man that killed your sibling, uh, your loved one is walking free and is basically going to get a slap on the wrist and live, you know, the rest of his life in pretty much comfort. You know, what, what would we do if, if we were dying and our, our daughter could help us, but we were scared to have them see us. Um, you know, what would we do if, if our, uh, our loved one, you know, broke the law and while we understood why we couldn't just look the other way. And, and that I think is why this is such a fantastic season is it makes us ask those questions of ourselves and it makes us ask ourselves, what would we do in those situations and really look into our own hearts and figure those things out. And it really makes us bond with Jack Bauer as a character more than we ever have in any of the other seasons coming up or up to this point because we see him in impossible situations and we've seen him in impossible situations before but these seem to hit at the heart of ones that really really affect us personally um the betrayal of a friend um death you know those are all things that we deal with in our lives and and we see Jack going through those so that's why I love season seven and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you like it for a different reason. And if you do, please let me know, comment on Twitter, you know, send it to, uh, at escrop two or at the 24 podcast. And, and we'd love to hear why you love season seven. Or if you do, maybe you don't and let us know what you think. Uh, keep us abreast of any news that you find out of, of season or 24 live another day as it comes out. And we'd love to hear what you think. We'd love to, um, to continue to grow our listenership and uh, get prepared for 24 Live Another Day to come out. And we cannot wait to be able to discuss only one episode per podcast episode. That'll be so much fun. It'll be fun to be able to get into the story a little bit more, to talk about it in real time, and really be able to get down and discuss and analyze what is going on in this um, new season as it comes out and as it comes out episode by episode. So stick with us. 
Um, let your friends know. Those are your friends that aren't listening to the 24 podcast but love 24. Pass or Make sure that they're listening, and let's uh, continue to prepare for 24 Live Another Day. We appreciate you, and we will talk to you again next week as we begin to talk about episode, or season 8, the final season of 24 prior to the new season, 24 Live Another Day, that's coming out in May. So thanks a lot. We appreciate you. We're so grateful for the the friendships we've built and the, the time that we've had to spend together and discuss 24. And we look forward to continuing to do that again next week. We'll talk to you then.